right, everyone. Welcome to a very, very special edition of Wrestling with the Future. I'm your host, Psychic Nita Angelo, joined, as I always am every week, by the smartest man in the room, the happy haberdasher, Dan the Man Sebastiano. Danny, how you doing? I'm good, Angelo. It's uh, first time since we've been uh, doing this that we got a podcaster on the podcast, so we should be uh, a lot of good stuff to talk about. I know you said he's a yeah. super fan. And there's a lot of wrestling to talk today, so I look forward to it. It's going to be a really good show. He's a really, really cool guy. And we're joined by marvelous Mike the Movie Maker Messier. Mike, how you doing, pal? I'm doing good, Angelo. It's good to be here on the show. And uh, with you, Jason, Dan the Man, and our guest uh, tonight, like Dan was alluding to, is very informed, very intelligent, very popular amongst the wrestling Absolutely. crowd. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of popular... Uh, uh, where are you going to put uh, your uh, your growing uh, accolades and your awards? You've gotten uh, you know several more awards here uh, recently. Uh, you're building a separate wing onto the mansion for them, or uh... you know when I was um, when I visited Pete Rose's Ballpark Cafe in Boca Raton, Florida, as a young man, and I spoke with Pete. I said to Pete Rose, Pete, you don't need to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You've got your own Hall of Fame right here. And maybe someday I'll have my own Mike Messier Ballpark Cafe. I'll have my own Hall of Fame. So exactly. I, won't, I, I won't need anyone <laughs> else's for all my accolades. <laughs> exactly right, Mikey. And, of course, the aforementioned to Jason. Jason Tuttle is a newbie to the show. Yeah, Jason works behind the scenes. We call him affectionately the Bearded Wonder. <laughs> How you doing, Jake? Doing good, doing good. I'm I'm very excited to join the team and uh, take part in this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to our guests tonight. Well, we're very get- happy here. I should tell everybody that the, when our uh, website goes up, wrestlingwiththefuture.com, you can thank Jason for that. He's the uh, the brainchild behind our website. Thanks, and, uh, Jason. We, uh, we have a very special guest tonight, Dan. So um, let's talk while we're waiting for him to call in. Let's talk a little bit. What do you know about Dave LaGreca from Busted Open Radio? Well, I know he's just like a lot of us. He's a super fan. Uh, he's had a background in radio. Uh, he got involved in sports entertainment, entrepreneur style, doing his own thing. And uh, next thing you know, one thing led to another. And he's hosting the number one rated wrestling podcast in podcast land. Uh, I mean, the fact that you yeah. get some of the best some of the best names of the last 20 years rotating out co-hosts, a lot of good stories, several, uh, I know several high profile, I don't want to say um, breaks of, of sorts. Cause that would be like, you know, re- new news, but a lot of right. uh, uh, exclusive scoops that have come out in recent, recent years have been through his, his interviews. Oh, so, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I always joke being the smartest man in the room. So, and, you know, I'll, I'll take a close second on this show. Absolutely. I'll let you take second place. Angela. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but you, uh, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And, you know, it doesn't hurt, by the way, uh, that uh, Busted Open Radio has kind of a, a relationship with all of the major companies now. Right. So uh, certainly WWE, by virtue of the fact that uh, Dave's rotating co-hosts are Bully Ray, mm-hmm. uh, Tommy Dreamer, and of course the, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. Uh, does that doesn't hurt? Of course, Tommy right. Dreamer now uh, with uh, Impact Wrestling, 
formerly ECW, formerly WWF, WWE. Of course, Bully Ray, uh, you know him as part of the uh, the Dudley Boys, uh, Team 3D. And, uh, of course, as I mentioned, Mark Henry, uh, that goes without saying, you know, a three-champion athlete uh, mm-hmm. in three different sports, the strongest man in the world. So, Jason, tell me about what you know of Busted Open Radio. Do you listen to the show? I haven't yet. Um, uh, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm fairly new to this uh, this world, so I'm looking forward to asking Dave uh, any uh, new questions, how I could succeed in podcasting. Um, I like to pick his brain on uh, you know, well, what's good. The answer good. to that's very simple, Jason. Just listen to Papa Bear. <laughs> yeah. I'll teach you everything you need to know. No need to go outside the family, young son. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, how it looks like he... That, uh, Dan, how was it David Carradine, David Carradine used to say? Sit wise grasshopper, is that what he said? Yeah, David, yeah. David Carradine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was that show? Yeah, Kung Fu or Kung something. Fu, too. Kung yeah. Fu, yeah. yeah. Sit wise grasshopper, that's funny. So Mike Messier, I know... Uh, you know uh, quite a little bit about Dave LaGreca and, of course, the podcast. Well, when yeah. did you first become aware of Busted Open Radio, Mike? At least at least five years ago. Um, and I think their show has been on for, I think they've said 11 years. So they've been 11, on since yeah. 2009. I think I became aware of it at least five, if not before. And probably, like a lot of people, I originally heard the show through clips on YouTube. And then when I started getting more into smartphones and you know, listening to podcasts directly on my uh, iPhone, that's when I really found them. And and one thing I would say is that I was listening to some episodes of him and Bubba Ray, especially today. Right. And um, Bubba Ray, Bubba Ray is pretty much still a worker. You know, Bubba Ray is still pretty much in the business yeah. today, oh, yeah. you know, at age oh, 45 or, or whatever age he's at. And so when Bubba Ray analyzes, they were analyzing the Heath Slater return on Raw uh, just last night, and mm-hmm. it's a quick turnover. They they have the show turned over quick, and what I like about Dave's style is that he's coming at it from the informed fan perspective, but he's allowing the yeah. worker, in this case Bubba Ray, to give that expert opinion. So you kind of have yeah. your, um, you know, was it Howard Cosell and 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 uh, when he had uh, his co-host like John Madden or whatever, common, Pat Summerall, whatever combination, when you have the expert analysis Frank. like Dave, Frank Gifford, it, yeah. It thanks. brings Gifford, a, yeah. a, a, Don a real sense of balance to it. You know, I think it's important too. Mikey hit it on the head, 11 years. I mean, Busted Open Radio was a big podcast that was successful and, and be well-received back when probably three quarters of America didn't even know what a podcast was, you know, yeah. in the era of self radio, I mean, you know, you had, and, and I think too, he also managed to, to do something well to expand on what Mikey said with bringing the workers in and getting the inside scoop is busted open radio filled the void that Dave Meltzer left when he soured on a lot of the big promotions, you know, that's a really interesting point, really interesting point, Dan. I'd like you to, as you say, expand on that and tell fans exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. What, what I'm getting at is, uh, Dave Meltzer, the, 
uh, Pro Wrestling Insider, he was really the single voice for new, uh, news inside, behind the screen, behind the curtain news for what is it, 19, late, uh, late 1970s, early 1980s? Yeah, he started, and it's interesting you know, that you call him a pro wrestling insider. He's never actually been in the business. That's correct, ever. yeah. He, he was ever. the original, he was really the original super fan that went into yeah. business for himself. And uh, oddly enough, you know, there's stories out there. He, he took a lot of what P, uh, PWI became famous for from some of the smaller newsletters at the time. The, the star ranking of matches they stole from a, um, well, I should say stole, borrowed creatively, whatever that's called, uh, the, from, from a small newsletter in Louisville. They, they, yeah. He took some of the reviews from the old newsletter that Cornette did back in the 80s. And you know, he, he kind of was the it. If you wanted backstage news in the era before the internet and before the, ma- you know, the magazines were yeah. still all kayfabe, really, he was it. And at some point, in the, he, you know, no disrespect to his fan base, my, my opinion on Dave Meltzer is pretty, pretty well known uh, and low, is that, that he, he didn't adapt well to the social media age. And he became, Not at all. No, it, it, what ended up happening was the more news that was put out in the era of social media, it became very obvious that what Dave Meltzer was reporting as inside information was a tiny morsel of inside information and conjecture. He would what happened then was reality bit Dave Meltzer on the hiney. Right, but he Big would guy. get word like uh, you know a, a, a wrestler's unhappy. Well, and you 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 kind of um, led me into this. Here's where here's where Dave uh, kind of shot himself in the foot. Go ahead. You know, as long as you don't have a way of tracking and verifying and validating information, you can say pretty much anything you want and people will believe it as right. fact. Yes. But when the internet really came into bloom, now Dave Meltzer's got fact checkers. Yeah. Now Dave Meltzer has people that will say, hey, you know what? That's not quite true. What you wrote, you know, you, you, you kind of have the ballpark, but that's not what happened. You got the gist of it, but you don't have the juice of it. Right. And, and, and in, in, I'm sorry, go ahead. It really hurt him, and it's hurting him badly. Because yes. people now know what kind of fraud he actually is. Right, especially in the, in the Twitter era of the last few years where he would – tweet out a story and the people involved in the story, there was a high profile case, what about a year or two ago with Seth Rollins, where he yeah. talked about Seth Rollins giving a very bad backstage speech when morale was low, blah, blah, blah. And Seth yeah. Rollins straight up tweeted him. Like I wasn't even there that day. You don't know what the F you're talking about. Exactly. And you know, exactly. you have, it's like, like you say, you know, you watch a pay-per-view and a week later, you read the newsletter and this, this, and oh, cool, okay, that's what was going on behind the scenes. Well, now he's reporting it, and not only is it crap, but because yeah. it's coming out instantly, there's been actual on-record cases of Vince McMahon throwing away a script for Raw or SmackDown five minutes before showtime oh my just God, because yeah. he wants the dirt sheets to be wrong. Oh, sure. Dave Meltzer actually got this right, so now you're not winning the title tonight. You know, whatever. And, it, and he will do that. McMahon can afford to do that. Right. You know, I, I'm I'm sure it doesn't bode well on his writing staff, you know, to have to scrap a show you know, that they worked on all week long. Yeah. You know, and throw it basically throw it in the in the trash can because Dave Meltzer, you know, kind of spoiled it. They, you know, let let the, the cat out of the bag, so to speak. Right. You know, if there were ever a guy 
who should be bitch slapped in the public square <laughs> is Dave Meltzer. I don't like the guy. I don't like. Let me just go on record and say I don't know Dave Meltzer. Uh, I don't know if he's a nice guy or a prick. It doesn't make any difference to me. What he's doing is ostensibly offensive to me. Yeah. Because he's taking authority for that which he has no authority. And he's, a, you know, he's writing knowledgeable pieces that he has no knowledge to substantiate. Exactly. That was the point I was making is he'll get, like you said, he'll get a morsel of something. You know, he gets word that somebody's unhappy backstage and then he writes an entire piece on Seth Rollins or Sasha Banks or somebody and 90% of his article is just conjecture or assumption and he ends up being totally wrong time and yeah. time again. Like you said, now he's got the fact checkers, including the, the wrestlers and behind the scenes people themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jason, chime in on this. I was going to say uh, he's uh, Bruce Pritchard's number one fan. Our guest is oh, man. Speak, Speaking of people, uh, this, this, this show has a low Our opinion. Our guest of. is here. I'm just talking about you. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you, Dave? How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? We are absolutely wonderful. We were just kind of talking about one of your favorite people, Dave Meltzer, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, I don't know if if the rest of the show uh, shares that, but I, I've always read Dave's stuff, even back in the day when he used to have the facts. So Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, let me tell everybody who I uh, who I have here, and uh, I I've been trying, and I'll tell you the story after after I introduce him. But I've been trying to get this guy for a while. Dave Lagreca is the enigmatic, entertaining, very passionate, and sometimes controversial host of Busted Open Radio podcast, Hurt Each and Every Day, daily from nine a.m. to noon on Sirius XM Radio Fight Nation Channel. 156. He is our very special guest on tonight's epic episode of Wrestling with the Future. Dave, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you guys, man? It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Well, I want to tell you something right off the off Jump Street over here. Uh, and I want you to hear this from me, from the horse's mouth. Were it not for Busted Open, there would be no Wrestling with the Future podcast. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Okay. I am 61 years old. I'm a, I'm a few years older than you. But I heard you give a, a dissertation one day, kind of a, a passionate pep rally over the airwaves about doing whatever you want to do and it's never too late. And, and I thought to myself, you know what, damn it. It's not getting any younger. You know, I'm, I'm 60 years old. So a friend of mine, a late friend of mine, who my first co-host, Jeff the Ref Robinson and I, we started this podcast basically because people said we couldn't. So you are, my friend, responsible for my two million downloads. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate that. You know, thank you so much. That honestly means a lot to me. It's it's I never would have expected that you and a lot of other podcasts have you know asked me to be interviews and 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 i like to be a part of the shows and i've heard this so many 
so many times. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And 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 it's honest when I say that. It's 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 never too late. And if it's something that you enjoy, and it's something that means something, and it's something that you're passionate about, there's no reason why. You shouldn't do it no matter uh, what your age. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, you know, you heard it in my introduction. The, the very word I use, uh, passion. You are a guy. Oh, God bless you. First of all, you, you know, you're Italian, so God bless you anyway. Um, <laughs> but I have to tell you, when you get behind a cause and you know that you're right, they, I don't care how big, tough, or strong Bully Ray or Mark Henry are, you are going to fight your point, you're going to argue your point, and most of the times you're going to come out right. Well, I mean, I don't even know if it's about right or wrong. It's more about that this is my opinion, and I'm going to use the opportunity to voice my opinion. You know, case in point would be just recently uh, the Great American Bash. Like, you know, listen, you know, I'm not faulting anyone. I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch it and enjoy it. But I just thought calling it the Great American Bash, uh, doing it last minute just to go up against Cody Rhodes was, for me, something that I was really passionate about. Because when I think of the Great American Bash, I think of Dusty Rhodes. Absolutely. And I just didn't think that that was like... I. I you still need to be respectful, even when there's a, a ratings battle like NXT and AEW is having right now. Yeah. I still think I still think there's certain things that you just don't do. And knowing that this was a special that Cody Rhodes put together with Fighter Fest to counter it with Great American Bash, a, a creation of his father, I just thought it was a little bit below the belt. And 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 yeah. and my feelings a little low class. You could call it anything you want. You have the decade, so why are you bringing it out now? And I well, thought the only—I just thought—I just thought, like, especially with NXT, and NXT is completely a different brand than Raw or SmackDown. I, again, it's my opinion. I'm not faulting anyone for having another opinion. I just thought, just because you have the power, doesn't mean you have the right to do it. And yeah. I, I just—I just wanted to voice my opinion because I know uh, for I me, absolutely agree with you, and and it bothers me that. That Vince McMahon does things just because he can. And that's what I mean. Just yeah. because you have the power and you own it doesn't mean you have the right to do it. And yeah. I just think, you know, when you think of the Great American Bash, you think of Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes, and, hands down, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely and, right. And, and I just think that that, like, to go and use that to throw it in his son's face, I just, I just thought that was not the proper uh, thing to do. And sometimes you have to think of the proper thing to do yeah right. you know in, in wrestling there's a there's something we call doing the honors and i don't think that uh that wwe did the honors um my just my opinion for whatever it's worth i don't yeah, think they I, did the honors and i i agree with you and i'm not going to call like the wwe like the evil empire like a lot of people say that right. because they do think they do things right you know there are certain things like documentaries on the network you know, they could have they could have thrown away all the old footage of the territories, and they they chose not to do that. I, I'm glad that we have a place where we can find those things and watch those things. True, it's important. It's it's part of history. Um, 
so there, there's a lot of things that I, I tip my cap to when it comes to the WWE. So, oh, no it, question about it. Yeah, and, and I, I think they've done a really good job of, of having a tribute to the past. I just, this one particular thing, when it comes to the Great American Bash, I, I thought that was a swing and a miss. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you, Dave, how did you parlay this fandom into a, uh, a successful nationally listened to podcast that you, you had to start somewhere. Obviously you were a, a fan growing up. I'm, I'm guessing uh, that you're probably around maybe 50 ish. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn uh, 49 next week. So I'm just, I'm almost at 50. Okay. So you're 49. Um, so you grew up then probably uh, at the tail end of Vince senior, right? Yeah, I started watching wrestling, uh, you know, right around 10 years old. So it was right around that time, like you said, just at the tail end of Vince McMahon Sr. But, and I've said this before on Busted Open, even though I live in, in New Jersey, you know, born and raised in New Jersey, uh, I've stayed in New Jersey my entire life. I, I, uh, the first wrestling that I was exposed to was Georgia Championship Wrestling on TBS. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, um, by, I was by my friend's house at 10 and he was watching wrestling and it was, I, I remember it was Tommy Wildfire Rich was oh, on God, the TV yeah. and, <laughs> and I remember watching it and I never had watched wrestling before. Um, and I, you know, I've heard of it, but I never watched it. So my friend asked me, have you ever watched pro wrestling? And I said, no, but like, is this, is that with like Bob Backlund? Is it? And he goes, no, no, that's the, that's the WWF. That's, that's the fake stuff. This is the NWA. This is the NWA. This is the real stuff. So like, I was like, really? And I was like, wow, I, I, I had no idea. And so like for the first about a year, year and a half of uh, being a fan, I strictly just watched Georgia Championship Wrestling on WTBS on Saturdays. Yeah. And then when I did, once I discovered the wrestling magazine, that's when I started realizing that there was so much more and there was so many more, many more promotions and shows. Oh, and then, sure. and then I was hooked. And then I, I then like by 1983, uh, you know, I needed to watch everything. You know, so, yeah. uh, so that, 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 that it was like, um, it was, um, I guess the best way it was an obsession and, uh, you know, uh, so yeah. it's something that I've always been a fan of and to be able to do this show is a dream come true. But I, to fast forward, I, I got into radio and I started working at Sirius XM and Sirius XM is, is where they kind of have so many different avenues of shows of it for anyone's taste. So I always push to get a pro wrestling show on. And 11 years ago, this past April, I got the green light to do one. And wow. it's, it's just been, it's just been building and building ever since to now. It's not only a show on Sirius XM, but we also have a very highly successful podcast as well. So, Absolutely. uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's definitely something that's, that I'm very, very happy and, uh, very pleased to be able to do. And I'll tell you what, Dave, your career parallels mine in so many ways. Uh, I, too, uh, actually went to school for radio broadcasting and worked in radio for uh, probably 27 years. Wow. Uh, promoted wrestling for 24. And uh, I actually hosted 
one of the very first wrestling radio programs, along with Joel Goodhart, my buddy. Uh, back in the day, it was called the Squared Circle. And I don't know if you, it was from Philadelphia. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. I, I have, out of Philly, yes. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, and I too was one of those kids growing up. You know, my father was like, oh, he'll grow out of it one day. <laughs> that all changed when I walked into his bar one day with Jimmy Snooker. That's, that's so cool. I've seen some of the pictures that you've posted on Facebook with, you know, J.J. Dillon and, and Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valley, and, yeah. and Jimmy Snooker. That's that's amazing. And I remember also, you know, being from the New York, New Jersey area, uh, Jody McDonald, um, who was a Philly guy, used to do uh, a radio show uh, on the weekends yes. for, pro, for pro wrestling. So, yeah. uh, you know, you know, like a lot of people look at me like, wow, but, you know, there are people like you and like Jody, you know, from that Philly area that, you know, were doing it, you know, decades ago, which yeah. uh you know, kind of like the pioneers of uh, pro wrestling radio, which is awesome. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I, you know, unfortunately, radio as you and I remember it is pretty much dead. But thank goodness for the podcast platform, because now I get a chance to do, uh, you know, do what I did for a living uh, and enjoy it and and express my passion for wrestling through the podcast and get to share with, you know, the entire world. And of course, my buddies that are here with me, uh, I'll introduce my co-host to you. And uh, we got uh, a pretty stellar cast here. My co-host, Dan, the man, Sebastiano is uh, uh, with the United States Navy for his shoot job. Uh, he is the, the, the guy we affectionately call the smartest man in the room. He knows everything about everything. Uh, the next in line here is Marvelous Mike, the movie maker, Messier. Mike Messier is an award-winning actor, writer, produ producer, and director, and has shared the screen with Meryl Streep, Wesley Snipes, Francis McDormand, um, Sybil Shepard, and, and probably others that I've forgotten by now. And, of That's course, the, uh, the, other, uh, the newbie to the crew tonight is uh, a guy... We affectionately call Dave. He is the bearded wonder, Jason Tuttle. Well, thanks, guys, for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you guys today. Nice to meet you, Dave. Mike, yes, sir. Thank you. you. So you, got, you got Dave LaGreca. Go ahead, brother. Well, Dave, I want to echo your statements because I, I attended the uh, 1988 Great American Bash pay-per-view in Baltimore, Dusty Rhodes versus Barry Windham, the Flair, Luger, Ray Iannucci, blood stoppage. That happened to be on our... Uh, podcast producer's birthday angelo's birthday is july 10th so happy uh, early birthday to angelo thank you um today is actually july 7th the anniversary of sting rick flair so these matches yep. took place so, yep these matches took place over 30 years ago and guys like you and me and, and the guys on the show and people listening have a real um tendency to be emotional about things like jim crockett promotions and so when someone like vince mcmahon puts his fingerprints on something for NXT and they have a non-title women's main event, it's a bit insulting to our NWA heritage. But one thing that I want to compliment you, Dave, on is that I was listening to you and Bully Ray today, and you explored the topic that you guys, in 11 years of doing a podcast, have never revealed a spoiler. 
You've never gotten inside information, whether it was the pre-taped WrestleMania a few weeks ago or something from Japan that might air a, a couple of days later in the States. Apparently, you guys have, a, have an ethical value that you don't want to ruin the wrestling uh, broadcast for either the promoters or the fans that might be listening to your show. And I want to give you a compliment on that. Uh, and, and, and maybe you can explore the reasoning behind you're a, a spoiler-free show, if I heard you correctly. No, we are. And, you know, um, this show's been on the air for 11 years now. So, it, uh, you know, right now I work with, you know, with Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer and Mark Henry. And they're great to work with. But when we first started the show, it was myself and Doug Mortman. And, you know, he works at SiriusXM with me. And we were just two fans. So, you know, when we first started the show, it was just two fans that would talk wrestling. And, you know, we, we decided early on, we could have went two ways. We could have made this like a dirt sheet radio where we would just talk about rumors and spoilers and, and then, or we could just show an appreciation to pro wrestling. So we decided early on that we weren't going to, to unveil spoilers. We weren't going to make it that type of a show. And a lot of people said that the show wouldn't make it because right now the wrestling fan only cares about uh, behind the curtain, only cares about the rumors and the spoilers. And I, I didn't think, I never thought that that was true. I, I you know, I, I really did feel that this show could uh, not only survive, but thrive just, just being passionate and being fans. And yeah. I th- and I think we've proven that true now that we've been on the air for 11 years because we Absolutely. don't do it. We don't do spoilers. Even just recently, and again, I'm not going to spoil it, but you know, a, a member of the NXT roster put on their Instagram page the, the winner of the champion versus champion that's going to take place tomorrow night. They did it over the weekend. Right. And uh, you know, even when we spoke about that on Monday, and saying that somebody had spoiled it on 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 social media, we did, we still did not mention uh, who the victor was and who won the match because that's something. Even though in social media and even though it's out there, I refuse to spoil it for the fans because I know for myself, if you know, if I know the end of a play or if I know the end of the movie, why am I now going to watch the movie? Why would I? Exactly. Why would I watch the yeah. play? If there's no reason to. And I want this business to survive. I want this business to flourish. And as long as there's people that spoil it for everyone else, you're you're hurting the business. Like, it pisses me off. All these, like, dirt sheet writers that say, oh, I'm a journalist and this is news. That's a bunch of bull. It's it's professional wrestling. It's predetermined. There's no, you're just spoiling it for everybody else. If you're going out there and you're and you're and you're exposing the business like that, and I, and I think that's a, a I think that's a major problem in our community, especially right now in 2020. Oh, Von, sure, absolutely. Well, that you know that leads me into a question: How do you stay? Uh, and and my guys will tell you that there's two words that I harp on almost every single show: emotional investment. How do you stay emotionally invested uh, in a product that's clearly not what it can be? 
Uh, there are times that it is like you're just you just kind of have to understand that just like every other sport, NFL, um, hockey, NBA, like they're not what they were 20, 25, 30 years ago. They're just not. Now, you right. could either say you throw your hands up and say, oh, it was so much better back then than it is now. Or you're just going to have to kind of evolve with the times and understand what's going on. It, it is different. It, it is completely different in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I kind of just have to look at it with a fresh mindset and understand that everything is always changing and evolving. And I think if you do that, then, uh, then a lot of those things would be much clearer and you can get that emotional investment. Plus, there's a lot of things that are going on right now that is very, very old school. Like the, the Orton Edge feud had a very old school uh, feel to it. Uh, Impact Wrestling, to me, has some old school feel to it. Uh, exactly. NWA, NWA Power, uh, when, when that was running, had an old school feel to it. So you kind of got to pick it and not overly criticize, and I, and I think you can find that emotional investment. Dave, are guys like me dinosaurs that are just disgruntled that we want our wrestling back? The way we knew it, or um, or, or, or am I just an old fart that's not willing to go forward? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think there's a way to be both. I, the, the, the the simple answer would be no, no, you're not. You appreciate what you grew up on. It's the same thing with music, you know. You know, if uh, you know the music you grew up on is not the same music that you hear on the radio today. Yeah, right. Doesn't 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 make you a, a boomer, as they say, or an old man. It just it's just that you appreciated the music you grew up on. But I also think you have to realize that it is different and appreciate what's going on now. Like, uh, you know, Jim Cornette, who I, you know, Jim Cornette, there's a lot of things that Jim Cornette says that I completely agree with, but there's some things that I disagree with. Sure. Not, not everything is crap. Not everything is bad. Not everything is, you, you know, um, terrible. And, there are some good things that are going on right now. You just kind of have to sift through the stuff that isn't good. And it's yeah. difficult to do. It's, I, it's difficult to do. But, but again, like you have to look at it in a different eye. It's, it's not the same thing. And let's face it. You could go back and watch some things from the, the early 80s. And some of that wasn't good either. Oh, right. you know, no, no question about it. You, you know, so, yeah. But I, I'll tell you what, one of the things, at least from my perspective, that uh, that, that kind of makes me sad is that, and, and, and I know Dan and Jason are going to explore this, but, you know, when I grew up, probably you too, when we grew up watching wrestling, we believed it. We, we believed that these guys were really in a fight. They're now... The, the suspension of disbelief is all but vanished. And I know Dan wants to talk to you about that. Go ahead, Dan. Um, uh, two, two things. Actually, first, real quick, uh, Angelo was telling you the story where he uh, brought Jimmy Snooker to his father's bar. Why don't you, you tell him who, you, who your dad bought that bar from, Angelo? I think he'll get a kick out of that. Oh, yeah. My father bought the bar from Buddy Rogers. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, I knew Buddy. That's another thing, Dave. I knew Buddy Rogers very, very well. I, that's and, and Jimmy Snooker lived uh, about five minutes away. 
<laughs> that is that is amazing. That, yeah, that... I live in Wrestlers Row, Dave. Uh, King Kong Bundy was uh, like six blocks away. Um, Buddy Rogers was five minutes east. Jimmy Snooker was uh, five to seven minutes west. King Kong Bundy was literally like walking distance. And um, and Tom Brandy, of course, is 20 minutes over the bridge. <laughs> what, uh, where do you guys do the show? Are you, are you guys in the same location? Are you in different areas? We're like, in, where... in different locations. Right? I'm in uh, just outside of Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Okay. All right. That's, that's, uh, I, uh, I'm in Jersey, too. I'm by, uh, about 35 minutes from you. And uh, Dan, of course, uh, Dan and Jason are in Norfolk, Virginia. And Mike Messier, who is from Virginia, is actually in uh, Atlantic Beach, Florida. Yep. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm pretty close to AEW uh, here, like 15 minutes away from Daly's place. And... Right outside of Jacksonville. Yeah. Oh, awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah, I've, I've actually been in the business 48 years, legit 48 years. I. In, in earnest, and I will tell you, I've, I've told Bill after, I had Bill on the show, Bill's a friend of the show, um, I grew up calling Phil Zacco Uncle Phil. Now, <laughs> he was my grandfather's accountant. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I grew up pretty much around wrestlers and boxers. That, that's that's my, uh, my my childhood. But yeah, uh, in, yeah in a, and, uh, oh my god, I got stories. Please, I got in, stories. In, um, in a in a small ahead, world yeah. of sorts, uh, Angelo mentioned he records from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It's actually where I was born before we moved. Um, for actually, which speaking is kind of what leads into my question. We moved for my father's business when I was a kid. The the area I lived, we got the Baltimore and the DC stations. So you had NWA on one channel and WWF on the other because. The NWA was as far north as Baltimore, and WWF came as far south as D.C. Um, I guess my, my question to you is, is looking at it from the fan perspective, I'm very much in the Jim Cornette mentality that 90% of what's on TV today is garbage. Um, how do I – how do you – just because I've been a fan of your program for a long time, and, and how do you get someone like me or someone like a, a, a that mentality where I see someone like a an Orange Cassidy – or like, uh, 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 you know, watching dick flips on TV and, and people who entire, you know, the, the young bucks whose entire gimmick is wrestling is fake. Look at me. What you're watching is, is, is not, is a stunt show. Uh, what I'm, what I'm clearly doing isn't real, you know, I, and, and, and how do you explain to someone like me that, that, that sees that, that mentality and is just off put by it, that you can find nuggets of goodness in there. It's it's difficult because like what you guys were just saying when we grew up watching, did we think it was fake? Uh, maybe. Did we think it was real? Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, there was you know, and and then there were certain times where all right, that you know, like like I said, like ah, oh, the WWF is fake, but the NWA is real. Or, but you know, that Sergeant Slaughter, you know, of. Uh, um, that Sergeant Slaughter, Pat Patterson boot camp match, that's real. Like, look at right. it. You know, that Snooker Backlund Cage match, that, that's real. Yeah. Like, how can you say that's fake? Look at that. Like, it was you, the, the uncertainty of it. it that, that, yeah. that era is gone. Like, so, like, the first thing you have to realize when you talk about, like, right now is, is crap. 
the first thing, and, and, and maybe you may not be able to overcome that. You know, I, I, in a lot of ways, I've been able to. I, I, I think that it's a, it's a shame that the kids today go into being a fan without, without the, you know, the magic of what, of what was what we fell in love with. Like, there was a magic there. There, there was a, there was a magic there, and that magic's gone. Um, That's but, right. but there's still magic, and that is the magic of storytelling. Like you mentioned, the Young Bucks, and and I and I admit I'm not the biggest Young Bucks fan. I say it on the show. I'm not discrediting them. I've met them. I've interviewed them. Uh, they're great guys. You know, uh, I like AEW. I'm in AEW's corner. I wanted to do well. But I'm not a big fan of Young Bucks matches because of what you just said. It's it's almost blatantly throwing it into your face that this is a show. This is not real. Mm-hmm, so, yeah. like, last May I was at Double or Nothing in Vegas. Right. And, you know, watching the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, you're like, all right, this is, this is too showy for me. But then yeah. on that same show in the main event was Cody Rhodes against Dustin Rhodes. And oh it was a blood. God. It was a bloodbath. They told an amazing story in the ring, and right. like you see a match like that, and you're like, "All right, this is you know hopefully the future of pro wrestling." You know, you know at um, at WrestleMania 36 to see you know Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. To me, that was a fantastic match that told you a good story in the ring. So you kind of have to like. The Orange Cassidy, and I find Orange Cassidy very entertaining. You have to take I, it I for that. I do too, Dave. <laughs> you I have to take it for that. To you, I find him entertaining, and, and when I tell you why, you'll understand it. He's a character, and I uh-huh. grew up watching characters. Absolutely. I mean, look at, you know, like the missing link. That was a character. Oh, my you God, know? I loved him. Scared the shit out of me. Kamala, like... It's it's I, I know it's a little bit of a stretch, but you that, you know you just have to watch it with a different eye. And listen, a lot of the wrestling that we grew up with, you had to watch a little bit with a different eye. So yeah. um, I just feel you have to be maybe a little bit more open minded. And then again, you know you don't have to watch everything. There's no, there's there's nothing to say like all right, I gotta watch Raw on Mondays and Impact on Tuesdays and. And, you know, and NXT and AEW on Wednesdays and SmackDown on Fridays. If you're just a fan and you're just watching it as a fan, pick and choose what shows that you like more than others and just stick with that show and and see where it goes. You know, Dave, I got to tell you, there's a guy you work with, and I want you to tell him I said this. There's a guy you work with, Bully Ray. Mm -hmm. And I've never met Bully Ray. Uh, And I knew a lot of the guys at ECW. Um, in fact, I had New Jack stay at my house for two days. Um, but the Bully Ray, I want you to tell him that I said he is the modern day Eddie Graham. I want what you is- to tell him that, and I want to tell, and I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this. Okay. When I hear Bully walk through a match that he's seen the night before, he explains it in believable, realistic terms. He, un- he understands the storytelling, but more importantly, he understands what Eddie Graham was brilliant at, and that is something he, too, is brilliant at. 
the art of ring psychology. And I talk about psychology being a lost art form on this show all the time. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I listen to your show every day, and I do listen every day, is to hear what Bully's going to say next and how he will dissect something. And, and I can say the same thing for Tommy Dreamer and Mark Henry and, and to you. You guys do a great job of dissecting without tearing apart. And there is a difference. Yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's improving. I think it's like you know, Bully always says it like, uh, and I it might be a curse where he'll just watch a match and be like, ah, boy, if they would have just done this, or listening to a promo and saying, boy, if you would have just said that, and and I and I think that like yeah, you're right. It's not being critical. It's not tearing it down. It's constructive criticism, just like doing something a little bit better. And and I think it's a gift that Bully has and. And, and and you mentioned about um, you know just you know like I, I think two words is believability is the biggest thing I think in in no matter what era um, you you work in I think it goes back to what we were saying before believability is key it's got to be believable if it's not believable you're going to lose me yeah. and then the other thing is it's got to be logical it's got to make logical sense yeah because absolutely. if it doesn't make logical sense then you're going to lose me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think, you know, if you, if you, if it's not logical and it's not believable, then it's not credible. And then once Absolutely. you don't have that, if you don't have that, then you don't have, then you're not going to get the passionate. You're not going to get people that are going to get passionate about what you're doing. And you're not going to get people that are going to continue to want to watch. And I think more than anything is Monday nights, a lot of times it's not believable. It's not logical. Yeah. And it's it's not even creative a lot of times. So yeah, I, well, I, that's a that that that's actually a subject matter that we're going to talk about uh, at length in a couple of minutes. But uh, I want to give Jason a, a a chance to ask his question, Dave, if that's okay. Sure, of course. Go ahead, Jason. Again, thanks, Dave, for uh, coming on tonight. Uh, you're talking about believability. What are you? Uh, what's your opinions on the recent cinematic uh, matches that WWE has had? As uh, you know, Matt Hardy has done his uh, back when he was in Impact. So, what what are your thoughts on those? I've never been a real big fan of them up until up until lately, just because of what's going on right now and because of the pandemic they've had to find different avenues to present their product because you know in in empty venues it it really doesn't come across as good as it should wholeheartedly agree yeah so like if you gave me the boneyard match a year ago i wouldn't have been a fan but because of the environment that we're living in right now i honestly don't mind it because to me throw throw it at the wall and see if it sticks like i i i think more than ever you know shows and organizations need to be a little bit more creative because the old way of doing things yeah. right now isn't going to work unfortunately yeah and you know what's funny you mentioned uh you mentioned a couple of things there the boneyard match. i'll be honest with you Dave. i never heard of a boneyard match until this year they didn't want to say graveyard match because of some yeah. Of the I, I, I never, I, yeah. I had no idea where they were going to go with this. 
I guess where it really comes down to is, uh, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. They've got to find, as you said, they've got to find, you know, interesting and creative ways to keep people tuned in. Um, what I like about AEW, and I'd love to have your, your, your take on this, I like the fact that at least AEW uh, is using the wrestlers in the back out front as kind of like their, uh, their audience, if you will. Uh, I like that. It adds a little bit of noise to the, uh, to the venue. You know, granted, they're, they're largely empty venues, but it adds some, some element of, you know, people. I'll put it that way. So what, what do you think of that? Where is your, your head on that subject? Uh, I, think, I think personally, like, they have done the best job of any other show. Like, there, there's times I'm watching it that I forget that there really is not a big crowd. The, you know, from the camera work uh, to, to the interaction. Uh, to just the way they have it set up. I think they've done, I think AEW has dominated. I think uh, the WWE, the way they've done it, and I know they're doing it at the Performance Center, and I kind of tip the cap uh, to them that they're doing it in the Performance Center because they're trying to keep their staff as safe as possible. Yeah. It just doesn't come, it just doesn't come off well at all. Yeah. I think of any of the, I think of any of the shows uh, AEW does the best job uh, with the way they presented their, you know, their roster being in the audience. Well, I'll tell you what, when, when AEW uh, introduced that double or nothing pay-per-view and I saw that Cody Dustin match, I thought to myself, yes, my wrestling is back. And then it kind of weaned. And weaned a little bit. Then the pandemic hit and everything, of course, came to a scratching halt. But I agree with you. Oh, wholeheartedly, I agree with you. That they're, they're doing, I think, the best job of creating a feel and a, and a sound. And it's important that it's not only a visual. See, wrestling is not only a visual medium. It's an audible medium. You've got to be able to hear a crowd to respond to it. We had um, uh, on a few shows back. We had uh, Magnum TA on the show with us, and uh, yes. and I and I asked him about today's wrestling. You know, uh, trying to sell to an audience that isn't there, and he flat out said, "I couldn't do it. I I can't do it. How are these guys?" doing it are they doing it effectively I don't, i'll be honest with you dave i really don't watch enough wwe to know what they're doing right or wrong for that matter but when you watch what are they doing that that speaks to you in as a fan that says yeah i can invest myself in this well, I mean, I, he, he talked about the, the interview with Magnum TA and how he said that he wouldn't be able to uh, do what they're doing right now and, and you know, and, and perform and you know, or wrestle in front of no audience. Yeah. I mean, if, if I, I would actually say to him, I, I, I would disagree with that because I think he would be able to. Um, when Magnum TA would be on TBS, on World Championship Wrestling, you know, and they were doing it from the TBS studios. 
like there would be what 25 people in attendance you know was he doing it for those 25 people or is he doing it for the millions of people that were watching it on tv you know when when he was doing an interview with david crockett and tony Schiavone. Was he talking to those 25 people in that room or was he talking to the camera to connect with the millions of people that were watching at home? Well, yeah, think, that's, that's, that's a really good point. Really I would think point. it would be, I think it would be the latter. I, I, I think he would, I think he was looking into the camera and talking to the people who were at home, not the 25 people that were in the TBS studios. Yeah. You know, on Busted Open, we, we recently talked to Edge and then today we talked to The Miz. Right. And both of them said the same thing. They said, at first it was tough, but then you learn that you're working to the camera and that you're working to the audience at home. So maybe you're not getting that instant gratification of a reaction from the audience, but that's not the audience. Even when you're, you're doing a Monday Night Raw and you're performing in front of 15,000 people, yeah. you're, still, you're still performing to the 3 million people uh, who are watching at home. So I think the cream rises to the top, and I think no matter what, you know, a Dusty Rhodes, a Ric Flair, a Magnum TA, a Nikita Koloff, no matter who you throw out there from that golden age of wrestling era, they would be able to do it now because they did it before. Yeah. Now, you know, all right, so not every show is in the Superdome, or not every, you know, uh, not every show is in the Mid-South Coliseum or... Or, you know, or uh, the Greensboro Coliseum, where it's a sold-out crowd. Yeah, but, sure. you know, we, we grew up on studio wrestling. So when they yeah. were, you know, when they were wrestling in the studio, they were wrestling to the camera. Yeah, well, and I, I, will, and I, I think that's the same you, thing I, now. I you absolutely know? grew up on studio wrestling. And, uh, you know, in fact, when JJ was here, um, we, we actually talked about that particular studio. I worked in that studio. It, it, and you'll appreciate this, Dave. It was actually the Mike Douglas Show studio. Oh, really? I yeah. never knew that. It was uh, it was a uh, the NBC affiliate in Philadelphia. At the time, it was called KYW Television Channel Three, and they did studio wrestling from what became the Mike Douglas Show studio. I worked wow. there. I was a stagehand. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Great yeah, story. It, I'll tell you what, and JJ remembered that uh, when we had him on the show. We had JJ and Davey O'Hannon on talking about uh, their friend Bruno, and, and in the interest of full disclosure, you know, I knew Bruno as well, and we all we all talked about our friend Bruno. That's uh, so speaking cool. of which, Mike Messier, he's got a couple questions for you, Dave. Hi, Dave. Sure. Hi, Dave. Um, you know, there's so many things we could talk about. One thing I would say is as the kind of, you know, host, producer, straight man, so to speak, on your show, Busted Open, um, with these gentlemen, Tommy Dreamer, Mark Henry, uh, Bubba Ray especially, they've all got great careers and probably, you know, I've, I've met Tommy and uh, Bully Ray several times each. Do you find... Um, that ego gets involved. I'm not saying that those guys in particular have, have ego issues, but wrestlers by their very nature are larger than life characters. They put a high premium on their own value to entertain people. Sometimes oh when they're watching matches and they might be saying, Hey, I could have done that better or put me into the ring at WrestleMania and I could make this thing work. 
do you, how do you balance the egos as kind of the, the Walter Cronkite of the, the, the team? Like you're kind of the guy keeping these things going forward without soaking in these, these larger than life egos that these guys can have. Let me go on record and saying that Dave LaGreca is the captain Lou Albano of podcasting. He's the guiding <laughs> light. Often imitated, never duplicated. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's awesome. But um, it's not as difficult as you think because, like you mentioned, the Walter Cronkite. Like, I, I've never fancied myself like a journalist or anything like that. So my job is I'm the fan. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not changing my point of view by being on the microphone. What you hear from me is always going to be the fan's point of view. So, you know, Bully, Tommy, Mark, they're the professionals. You know, I've never stepped into a ring. I've never had a pro wrestling match. I've never walked into a pro wrestling locker room. You know, I've never done those things. So I, I, the way I kind of, I wouldn't say placate to the ego because I don't really think they have the inflated egos when they're on the microphone because they're new to this medium. Yeah. You know, if, if I walked into their world, then they would have to guide me. This is kind of my world. I, you know, I'm a 20 plus year veteran of, 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 of broadcasting. So they kind of got to follow my lead in a way. But at the same time, I have reverence to them and respect for them. Because they are the professional. So yeah. I'm a fan. So, you know, I'll ask my questions as a fan and I'll give my opinions as a fan. Now, that may clash with them, but like, you can't tell me right or wrong. I can't tell them right or wrong because they're the Hall of Famers. They're the professionals. They're mm -hmm. the wrestlers. So I can't tell them they're wrong, but they can't tell me I'm wrong because my opinion is that of the fan. So we don't butt heads as many times as you think we would because they can't tell me I'm wrong and I can't tell them they're wrong. Yeah. So there is that mutual kind of respect. But right. I never try. I, I know my place. I know my role. And at the same place, they know their place and they know their role. So I, I think it's an interesting dynamic and I think that's why it works. Yeah. There's, not, Mike, there's not a lot of screaming, there's not a lot of yelling, there's not a lot of you're wrong. Because you can't tell me I'm wrong. Because I'm telling you how I feel as a fan. Well, along those lines, Mikey, I'm going to give you another question, but I just want to follow up on something you asked, Mike. Uh, if I may. Can I? Okay, thank you. Uh, Dave, you know, you the one person of the three Hall of Famers you got there, uh, of course, Mark, uh, Bully, and Tommy. Of the three, the one who seems to get most joy out of busting your chops is uh, naturally Bully Ray. Um, and how much of that is just Bully being Bully? How much of that is just Bully being Bully? Um, or does he just I, to get a rise out of you? I, I know. I think that's that's his personality. Like, I don't think that he's playing a character or that I think that is how he really is, how he really feels and how and, and what gives him joy. Like, I, I think that he loves doing that and that's why he does it. Like, I don't think he's playing, you know, there's no like when we go to commercial, like, hey, Dave, I was just busting your chops there. I hope, you know, ha ha. Like, I, I really do 
feel that you're getting the real bully, right? It's the same thing with Tommy and Mark. Like, they're not pretending to be something. That's who they right. really are. Like, Mark is very funny. Mark is very joyful. Mark, Mark loves having a good time. He loves to laugh. And I think that shows on the air. Tommy, even though he's, you know, the innovator of violence and he's a legend, he's a fan. You know, yeah. he is a fan first. Absolutely. Bully is that professional. He yeah. is that wrestler. He is. I was just curious. That is, he is that alpha type of, of personality. But all, but what you get on the air is who they really are. There is, there's no faking it, so to speak. Yeah. Go ahead, Mikey. I guess my next thought, Dave, is is a little um, multi-tiered. But these days, as a wrestling, when I was a kid, probably when you were a kid, we were watching wrestling, and we wanted to be Ric Flair. We wanted to be Lex Luger or Hulk Hogan. We wanted to be one of I the boys. To be Bruno. Angela wanted to be Bruno. Um, but my point is that I think fans these days, they want to be tri Triple H, Vince McMahon, or Cody. I mean, I think that the fans' viewing of wrestling with the internet, with the Meltzer dirt sheets, with even what we're doing here on this podcast, to me, I could be wrong. I don't think there's any fans left that aren't smart fans to some extent. I think when there, people... There isn't. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't. I mean, yeah. I mean I, it's impossible to be you know, what we were growing up. It's impossible uh, because, you know, my daughter who enjoys wrestling, well, she has access to the internet. She has access to social media. So, you know, she knows there's no secrets yeah. anymore. You know, when, you know, our, our source of information was the magazines. Well, the magazines didn't tell you what you weren't supposed to know. They, were, they didn't peel back the curtain. They were in on the act. They were they were kayfabe. Yeah. The the aftermath. Yeah, they, they were they were they involved, and it's funny because even but even me, I there's certain terminology that I won't use. Like I, I still want that boundary. I I don't want to know everything, uh, but I think you're right. I think the fan now they do. They want to be the booker. They want to be the exactly. owner. Yeah. They they don't want to be the wrestler. Uh, they, they you know and and I think that. I, I think you're absolutely right when when you say that. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's it, and it's true. It's funny because, like you said, you know, you wanted to be, you know, uh, a Bruno, or you wanted to be, you know, Superfly Snooker or Dusty Rhodes, or I wanted to be Bill Actor. I wanted to, I wanted to cover the matches. I, I wanted to go. take the pictures, and I wanted to write write in the magazine. Like that's what I wanted to do. But I don't know if if there was a magazine that was out now, because even Pro Wrestling Illustrated, they're pretty much the only magazine that's out there now. Yeah, they, they're not what they once were. I don't, I don't oh. know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. If Busted Open was completely in character and the people we talked to were in character and we just reported on what we saw on the shows, I don't know if a show like that would survive uh, in 2020. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Dan, you want to pick up that? Yeah, actually, I, I kind of wanted to expand um, there because you you talked about the character and realism and, and the fans being gone. I think one of the better examples uh, in recent memory is what, what NWA was doing with the power show where they had, for, for example, the the – 
build up with Tim Storm's title rematch where they ran an entire documentary series where he talked about contracts and they peeled back the curtain and they very much it was scripted. It was here's what I've been doing, blah, blah, blah. But then when it came time to the show, the announcers hyped it up like it was real. The, the, the wrestlers talked like it was real. And I think that they, they were able to get that emotion. And it was the same emotion I had watching the Rock and Roll Express win the tag titles again. Even though it was, you know, it, they, the, the build up to it was you guys got one more contract, you fossils. And then they get in the ring and the announcers talk about it like it's a real fight. And the wrestlers act like it's a real fight. I think it, you have this this narrative of there's no smart fans left and the Internet's killed everything. But the shows can still pretend yes kayfabe is gone that that genie's not getting back in the bottle but you can you don't have to have the announcers during the match talk about some other item or hype sprite or whatever where everybody involved is this is scripted this is crap you you can still present it you can still pretend and i think it, the, the nwa proved that worked so i was wondering what your thoughts are on the fact that even though kayfabe is gone that doesn't necessarily mean that wrestling has to abandon it altogether i i know i i totally agree and i think the the best example is the one that you just mentioned and that's nwa power uh that was my favorite show i mean i got that was the the, the show i got the most joy out of yeah. because of all the things that you just said and 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 it goes back to like we talked about logic and and things making sense it's also just like you know Knowing that your audience, you know, wants to wants to enjoy this, right? Uh, they, they, like you know, we 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 use the word magic. Like, mm-hmm. don't ins- don't insult your viewers' intelligence. I think a lot of time, I think probably like the WWE is probably the the most is the best example to use. A lot of times, they insult my intelligence as a wrestling fan. Yeah. Yes. You 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 know you don't have to tell me everything. I don't need to know. I can figure it out for myself. Exactly. And and I think like the best examples that they have is like on the network where with the documentaries that they have and things like that. I, I wish that was more like what they presented on their actual shows. And I think you're right. I, I, I think everybody wants to believe. Again, believability is key. And mm-hmm. I think that's a lost art in pro wrestling right now. And I think that's why a lot of fans from our generation gravitated towards NWA power because it did seem real. And I no, think absolutely. the more real it seems, the better it's going to be. Case absolutely. One, Can I interject something, Dave? Sure. That was that too was my favorite show when it came on, and I and you you might laugh at me when I tell you why. The visual, you know, you you heard me mention earlier that wrestling is a visual and audio medium. The visual of that studio with the flags draped around and the the small audience reminded me. It took me back in time. To when I was younger and remembered that studio and Gordon Soley, uh, you know, and Bob Cottle and people like that. It took me back in time and it was very reminiscent of a time when, to use the expression, when wrestling was real. Well, I mean, and, and, I, and I think it was that Mike that brought up the point and I, I'm sorry because I don't see you guys so if it wasn't Mike I apologize but 
But he, you know, the, the the great thing about NWA Power, and of course, it starts with what you just said: the comfortable feel of that old school studio with the podium, and you know, the the small audience and the flags draped. I mean, all those things, spot on. It, it brought you back to a, a place that you were comfortable with, and it brought you back to your childhood. Yeah. And seeing the Rock and Roll Express, you know, brought, brings you back to your childhood. Mm -hmm. But what they were able to do is introduce new characters that you fell in love with. Like, right. I, I, I thought they were able to bring in, like, you know, a cowboy James Storm and an Eli Drake. And, and, and I think Nick Aldis was a great representation uh, as NWA champion. Mm -hmm. So even though it had that old school feel to it, I thought they did a great job of introducing wrestlers and characters that you bought and that you bought into. And that's why that was my favorite show. And it's a shame now because I don't know if we're ever going to get that back because with this pandemic, I don't know how long this is going to be. They didn't tape any new shows, so yeah. they don't have anything. And Dave Lagana, you know, recently stepped down. So I, I, I'm, I'm fearful of what the future of NWA power was. And it's so, it, it, it hurts me because it was really hitting a stride. And I really thought yeah. it had momentum. I really thought it was creating a buzz. And then this pandemic happened. And I, I, I just fear that we're not going to get that show back. Yeah. It right. put the kibosh on everything, David really did. I tell you what, I really thought that they were making some headway in gaining an audience uh, I know that there was talk of uh, of Billy Corgan, you know, uh, negotiating with a television network. They were within striking distance. I know this factually. They were within striking distance of a television deal uh, when the pandemic hit. And it put everything to a screeching halt. I mean, everything got squashed. Um, but, you know, you're talking about the Rock and Roll Express, you know, being reminiscent of your childhood, it was reminiscent of my living room because they stayed with me for three days and drove me freaking nuts. That's, uh, I, love, uh, well, I love Ricky and Robert. They're, they're fucking crazy guys. That's awesome. They, yeah, that's awesome. They, they really, they're, they're not, I love those guys. I really, really do. Jason, the bearded wonder, you're up, brother. So if we ever get back to uh, a normal time, uh, where do you see uh, uh, these promotions go? I mean, how, how do they recover from this pandemic? Good question. I mean, yeah, and unfortunately, I, I don't know if there's an answer because I think the biggest thing is, you know, when and, and will it ever will it ever be back to where it was five months ago? You know, where it was in January. Will we ever get to that point again? And when? And how long will it take to get there? Um, I think that's a big question when you look at anything that's happening in our world right now. Yeah. Um, you know, what's to say they find the vaccination and, you know, the, or or this that, or if this pandemic or if this if COVID just kind of blows away and dries off and it, it disappears. You know, I think crowds and, and viewers will come back. And I think it, it could go back. But how long is this going to be? And are people going to start tuning out? And are people, because it is tough to watch. So yeah. I really, I, it, it's hard to answer that question. 
because I really, it, it all depends on how long this is going to take. If yeah. it takes another six months, I think everything will be fine and it can get back to normal. But if we're talking a year, two years, anything past that, I, I really don't know. Cause I don't yeah. know how many of these shows and organizations can survive in the current, current climate that we're in right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, I, I absolutely agree. You know, one of the things that Bill After and I talked about when Bill was on the show, so I, you know, and I kind of asked him basically just what you and I were, were talking about. What's it going to look like? What's it? What is a a fan audience going to look like? I mean, will they be, you know, crammed into an arena? Will it be a sparse crowd? You don't know. Nobody knows yet. You know, will that will we ever get an arena crowd again? Who the hell will we ever get a WrestleMania where there's eighty thousand fans in a stadium like we were yeah. supposed to have in April? You right. know, uh, like um, you know, one minute we're making plans to doing our show out in Tampa, you know, at WrestleMania. Next thing you know, like who knows if we'll ever be able to have that opportunity again? I know. So, and but again, just like but and kind of and kind of have this conversation go full circle. Like yeah. when you said, how can I get into wrestling now in, in 2020? Well, I talked about it. It evolves. It, you have to adapt. Yeah. And I think right now we've kind of gone back to 40 years ago with studio wrestling. Like we've kind of come full circle. Yeah. You know what? That's a really interesting take that none of us really kind of, as, as smart as we are, as, as, as smartened up as I like to think we are, the simplicity of that statement is profound because that's where it all started. It all started in small studios. When you were I, watching it back in the day, were you ever like, oh, this is, uh, I can't believe I'm watching something that, that only has, you know, 30 people. This is ridiculous. Dave, do you remember the days when they used to paint people on the back wall? <laughs> and, and, and let me let me ask you something. Did you mind? Did you care? No, exactly. Yep. Because when I was eight, nine years old, I thought they were people, and I didn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I have the old VHS tapes of that. I didn't watch that a lot, but I have the old VHS tapes. But even like you know, watching the old AWA with the orange curtains, and like like it was, you know, I didn't mind. I I didn't care until. Oh, like around 1987, when you saw like 90,000 people at the Silverdome, then it was kind of tough to go back and watch studio wrestling. But you know what? Like now everything's in a studio. Everything's in, yeah. in, in, in closed quarters. And so like we're not getting that. Yeah. We may never get that. We may never get that. I know. That may never bad. happen again. Like, I mean, I, I, I you know, and it's, this is in all walks of life. You know, like professional football at the NFL, we may never get a stadium full of fans. Th 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 that might be a part of our our, our history and, and not our future. Yeah, I know. Uh, Unfortunately, it's, it's sad, but it, but but it is what it is. It's, it's well, going to be interesting to think about a ninety thousand seat stadium sitting empty. You know, while the team plays a game on it, it's that's certainly uh, that's let's, different. Let's, Let's be fair with that, Angelo. You, you two are in New Jersey, where the Jets and Giants play. You guys haven't seen a full stadium in years, anyway. Well, that's true, Dave. It's been a while. It's been a while. And the last time I was at the stadium was for the XFL, so there was only five thousand people. Oh. So, <laughs> speak, speaking uh, of a COVID uh, casualty, 
And there were still more people there than at a WWE event. Yeah, unfortunately, you're probably right. Hey, guys, I'm sorry. I got to jump off because I I hate to do that because I think that we're having momentum in this conversation. So I I hate to do that. I hate to jump off. But you guys got to have me on again because I I love love the the conversation. You guys have been fantastic. Thank you, Uh, you, man. I actually learned stuff today on this show. Well, you know, we are the smartest guys in the room. (laughs) And yes, you definitely, and you're in different rooms. So, I mean, so, so, hey, guys, thank you so much. I I truly appreciate you having me on, and thanks so much for the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Say hi to Billy and Mark and everybody. You got it, buddy. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye bye. That oh, was, was great. Dave LaGreca busted open. So All right, guy, you know, he brought up an interesting point that, you know, Dan, being the smartest guy in the room, you should have thought of that. But no, but he's actually, you know, I'm, I, I bust your chops. But he's absolutely right. It's everything that we're seeing now, and it's just it, the simplicity of his statement. Yeah was profound because what we are seeing today is what we saw, what I saw growing up was studio right. wrestling. And, and I, I touched on that in a previous show. I remember watching the old Bruno tapes and there was, there was Wahoo and Bruno and some of the biggest names in wrestling. And you had a painted backdrop that looked like a crowd and the front row, maybe 20 people in chairs. And that was, and, and yet, yet you're tell based on your ratings, your TV audience was 13 million a week. And, you know, I, I think it's important. It, I like how he touched on the crowd. Cause I've said numerous times, Billy Gunn and his son were the MVPs of AEW, And that's, because of how how they were in the crowd, I think it's very important. Those 20, 30 people, Angelo, you remember the, those old tape shows. Those 20, 30 people would bring in energy that 10,000 oh people God, at a bad course. show couldn't. And they that's they the biggest up difference. sheer volume what they lacked in numbers. Absolutely, and that's the biggest difference. If you look at AEW's crowd, having the wrestlers out there, though, yeah. that was a natural energy that really just permeated the building the the wwe using the performance talent the way they are or and, and the training talent that there it is so heavily scripted you're watching people uh the, the, i mean there was an incident with a you know that the kind of became a meme of sorts where you had people wearing iconics t-shirts booing the iconics because that's what the script told yeah. them to do and the audience <laughs> is noticed the audience is chanting you know this is awesome in unison and there's there's boos and cheers where there shouldn't be it's it's almost like there's somebody off screen in the old movies holding up the applause card somebody when, i you know what stop when, right there cuz dan honest oh. to god I heard someone say that today. Today, oh, wow. as a matter of fact. Yeah. They, they made the uh, comparison that WWE had, and I quote, extras. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's like Whereas this... AEW had the boys in the back. Right. It, it's a, it's a, like a sitcom audience. They're laughing and cheering when they're told to. And it, it, yeah. it it creates well, I mean, this if they're going to do that, Dan, they may as well just put a laugh track in. It, exactly. And and the audience, when the audience feels fake, it's I'm even less invested in the crappy product than I was when they when the audience at least felt real. 
Absolutely. Jason, jump in here. Your thoughts. Well, I'm I'm just surprised that some uh, someone as big as WWE is falling behind. They should have been, you know, the the forefront of getting uh, people in the back to come out front, and you know, they just seem to be playing catch up. Do you think yeah. that has to do with the supposed um, uh, opinion of, of Vince not thinking this pandemic is truly, you know, a thing? Well, is it is it that Jason, or is it is it Vince being out of touch with what's going on in his own, yeah. in, largely in his own company, Lar- largely in his own mind? Vince is probably <laughs> suffering from early onset dementia, or also, oh, well, hey now, you know, Mikey, I'm, I'm gonna be glad you brought that up, Mike Messier. Uh, you're the writer here. Uh, if uh, if you're if you're writing this. Uh, in a pandemic, uh, what do you do to, uh, to to write the ship that's sinking? I'm not sure if I s- share this with you guys or not on the show, but I'll share it now, which was when this pandemic started in early March, if I were in charge of WWE, which I'm obviously not, they were having poor creative before this. They were having tarps in the audience before this. I would have started a storyline with... Um, Triple H and Shane McMahon fighting for control of the company behind the scenes. I would have had Stephanie McMahon as the woman in the middle between her brother and her husband. I would have had the NXT wrestlers as Triple H's guys that he was pushing. And I would have had Shane on behalf of the old school, namely Vince, because I don't think Vince could pull it off at at his point right now. But he could come in for cameos as kind of like the ornery uh, Burgess Meredith Penguin character. <laughs> but I, I would have I done something like Dynasty or close. Dallas. Dynasty or Dallas from the 80s, where I would have had a behind-the-scenes power struggle that like carried it. the shows on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, and the focus would have been on Triple H in the locker room, Shane McMahon in the control room, skits. Yeah. Okay. And I think... Uh, it, Kind of peel back the curtain, but not really. Peel back the curtain. Dan, expand on that. A worked shoot, basically. What I'm saying is, if we all, I look the the best thing about WrestleMania to me. Work shoot, bro. Work shoot, bro. The WrestleMania picked up steam with the buried match, the graveyard match between Undertaker and AJ on the end of night one. That's when Mm -hmm. WrestleMania picked up steam. Was the final match on night one. Right. What I would have done is applied that same ethic and that dramatic quality. Vince McMahon has said for 20 years, we make movies, pal. Well, here's your opportunity. Don't make a movie. Make a weekly series like Dynasty, like Dallas, like Scandal, uh, whatever show that people like on Netflix at the time. You have all the editing capabilities. You have all the cameras. uh, You can have less matches. You have beautiful women. You have Alexa Bliss could be worked into this. Liv Morgan. All All the ingredients... For a scripted program, if I were the writer, which I should have been all along for WWE, then you would have seen this come together. Well, I'll tell you what. Go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. I say we we almost did it. We almost got through a whole show without Mikey dropping that writer joke again. Well, it's... it's, I know, right? People ask me, Dan, to answer your question or your statement, people ask me, Mike, why do you get so disillusioned with WWE in particular? It's because I had a job interview to be a creative writer in 2007. And had I been hired for the company, 
we would all be enjoying better wrestling for the last 13 years. So well, my, you know, dis- uh, that's there my is disillusion. another writer. Uh, there's another writer who's actually going to be a guest on our show in a couple of weeks that had an interesting take on this whole thing. Uh, and I don't know if uh, Jason or Dan, if you've heard this, but Vince Russo yeah. actually came up yes. with a pretty good idea. Um, follow the wrestlers at home during their daily lives. How are they dealing with the pandemic? How yeah. is the company dealing with the pandemic? And have that be a weekly show. Kind, kind of like NWA did following Tim Storm in the lead up to power. Exactly. Precisely. Exactly. Okay, Cause that was, that was yeah. some of the best stuff I'd seen in a long time. You see, I think, and, and one of the reasons that people listen to us is not so much that we pull back the curtain because we really don't, right. but we do something that WWE had the opportunity to do, but drop the ball. What we do is we put a human face on the wrestler, mm-hmm. on the character. Yeah. They had the right now, if they chose to do it, Dan, right now, they could do it and successfully do it and push their numbers up. Yeah, I, I think they, the key would be having to make it like Mikey talked about being the kind of work shoot, because my biggest worry is if they were to do something like that, you would basically have an episode of total total Bellas with everybody in the cast. It would be so obviously scripted and bullshit that the fans would lose interest. You know, you got to at least, I got a question for you during the conversation. Um, might've been uh, Mikey who was talking to Dave about uh, a K Fabe, you know, how everything's kind of out now. Um, they've pulled the layers back on the onion so much that some people don't think they can peel the onion back again, put the layers back on it. Yeah. Is it possible now in 2020, given what we know or what we think we know, is it possible to, to, uh, to put the onion back together like Humpty Dumpty? Could we put it back yeah. together? You know, it's funny you brought up Russo. I was going to bring up that same thing. I did see that uh, that uh, clip of him uh, saying that. Uh, I think that would uh, be a good start to uh, put, you know, bringing that uh, onion skin back or putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. Um, <laughs> the sort of, you know, follow them. You know, don't don't ignore the pandemic. Embrace it. You know, I mean, they're already. They're already shooting. I mean, the wrestlers themselves are going on and saying how much it's scripted. And, you know, Edge even said, I don't know why they're calling this the greatest wrestling match ever. You know. Yeah. Well, you well know, that's got to speak volumes. Yeah. That's so gotta I, I definitely speak think that would be a good idea to do that, that behind the scenes shoot, uh, follow the wrestlers. Uh, we just have to be careful. You don't see uh, – you know, a John Moxley in the background waving. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, WWE actually kind of dropped the ball in that regard, too. Uh, by you know, I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was a match that took place. I believe it was a ladder match where someone allegedly fell off the ladder uh, during a commercial break or just before a commercial break. Well, apparently they didn't cut away in time. And you saw the wrestler come down from the ladder and lay on the floor. 
Yeah, they as they if had he the got same, hurt. They actually had the same problem uh, with their fur the very first closed circuit broadcast they did with the empty arena because yeah. they they didn't cut to commercial break and, and during the during the so-called commercial break the the four women it was a women's tag match the women in the ring yeah. just kind of stopped and were talking to each other and you, yeah. you were watching like what the hell am i seeing and about halfway through exactly. the conversation then it went to commercial and it was like oops they went to com- they 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 stopped wrestling during the commercial or you know they 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 went to commercial too soon and it yeah. completely shot to hell everything you were seeing uh but I think it's funny that that Jason really hit a good point on that with the social media and the wrestlers saying what they need to do. If you like the biggest thing with with kayfabe and, and kind of trying to like I mentioned that Genie's not going back in the bottle is yeah. just maybe you can't control the wrestlers themselves because we touched on that on one of the roundtables with how many stories have been shattered because wrestlers put something on social media they weren't supposed to or or revealed that they were actually not hurt or not injured or whatever. And I think it's really important, even if you're not going to control social media, you can at least keep it in the ring. Edge comes out his first promo and he talks about me and you, Randy, we were in the back and we were at catering and we were talking about, we're going to go tear the house down tonight. And that was 10 years, you know, and he's like, we're, we were, we would plan these matches. And he, his entire promo was everything up to now is crap, but this fight we're about to have is a real one. Is real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, well, it com- too late, too little, yeah, too late. That's the thing. It's like, is or I, I know I mentioned it before, Becky Lynch talking about getting to play a character for 10 years, for 10 yeah. years, for, for three years. It's like, you just admit yeah. she, she can never come back as the man again, because you just told me that that at last kicking care is a character. That's not you yeah. at all. You know? Yeah, you just shit all over the the character that made you exactly. If you can keep that off screen, I don't give a shit what your wrestlers are doing on Twitter. I don't because the average fan's probably not going to pay attention. But but especially no no offense, Angelo, but somebody who's a little older that might not be you know your 40, 50, 60 year old wrestling fans, they don't give a crap about Facebook and Twitter and all this stuff. If, Why if, do you if look at me when you say that? If what you're seeing on TV <laughs> is 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 keeping the the keeps the curtain closed, that's all you really need. Yeah. Well, Dan, this is a great spot to do a commercial. It really is. I think uh, we 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 were cutting it a little close today. So, I mean, speaking of cutting it close, we do have a uh, good sponsor for the show. Our friends at Manscape, Manscape.com, for all your man grooming needs. Currently, they're running a special on the Manscape 3.0, including a pair of Manscape underwear, a free leather travel bag. And man spray. I'll let you guys use your imagination on what that's for. But for anybody who, especially now in the summer, let's be honest, guys, uh, the worst feeling in the world is the uh, how do we word this properly? Uh, how hot the deck can get if the bushes aren't trimmed. You know what I mean? And yeah, you can have your uh, you can have your 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 picnics, but in order to for the neighbors to appreciate your deck, you got to get that shrubbery out of the way. So. For Absolutely. our friends at Manscaped.com, all the Manscaped needs, enter promo code WrestlingFuture for 20% off your order and free shipping. So Manscaped.com, promo code WrestlingFuture for all your man-trimming needs. Fabulous. Fantastic. Jason, what's coming up for Jason Tuttle, the Bearded Wonder? Well, we got uh, another segment coming up. Uh, I'm working on Cut a Promo. Uh, so, uh, be on the lookout for that. And, uh, I understand there's going to be an interesting co-host with you. 
Yes, Rico Constantine is going to be uh, working with me. I'm looking forward to uh, 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 doing this with him. So uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Uh, he's going to be cutting a lot of promos, uh, see if I can cut some back. So uh, be on the lookout. And Mike Messier, award-winning well, Mike Messier. Yeah, I just won my first Best Actor award. You know, I've won so many uh, screenplay and directing awards, Angelo. That I know. This was... you got, like I said, you Where, where's your award for the wing onto the mansion? <laughs> the, that one hasn't Please, been Mike, made where yet. Where are you putting all these awards at? Well, like I said, I've I've got a I've got some. Uh, Is the guy at the coffee shop holding on to them for you? <laughs> Um, but this was a very nice award from Alternative Film Festival out of Canada for uh, The Never Was, which is on the Wrestling With The Future YouTube page. The Wrestling With The Future YouTube page now has a nice new banner. Uh, our our yes, friend Nikita. very nice. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Nikita Bresnikov with his nice Blackjack Mulligan versus Andre the Giant photograph. And I did credit Nikita for that photo that he took in Madison Square Garden back in 1982. Yes. Um, but uh, I did want to mention that I did a video today of remembering that Sting, Ric Flair, Great American 1999. I'm sorry, Beautiful. 1990 Great American Bash video. Uh, so I have a video remembering that pay-per-view. And I will be doing a couple of uh, videos this uh, month about uh, the 89 Bash, Flair Funk, the 88 Bash, Luger Flair. Um, and I, Mikey, will those videos be available on Wrestling with the Future? Yes, Wrestling with the page? Future. Wrestling with the Future YouTube page. We'll have all those videos. We'll be Beautiful. doing some more life lessons as well. And MikeMessier.com. Yes. And Dan, how about you? What's going on with us, brother? Well, we've got uh, plenty of good shows coming up. We talked about some of the guests you've mentioned. You got Vince Russo at the end of the month with our friend the Sage of Quay coming back to talk about the uh, wondrous conspiracy of the duplicate Paul McCartney, something that a lot of people can appreciate. Uh, as far as, as Mikey touched on today in history, I think it's important for to note that the most important, what I consider the most important moment in modern wrestling occurred today, June, uh, July 7th, 1996, Hulk Hogan turning on WCW and forming the NWO. NWO. Back in 1996. Yep. That was hard to hard to believe. That was tw or excuse me, uh, that was twenty four years ago. For anybody that wants to feel young, mm -hmm. so, uh, as for as for me, we've got a couple of uh, good roundtables planned. Keep digging, or, kid. Keep digging. Hey, I, 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 I'm I'm the same way. There's no way I think about that back then, and it was you know more, more than half my life ago. That, to think about that, I uh, go ahead, rub it in some more. I love you. Hey, you know what? <laughs> You 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 got you got to enjoy it while while it, you, it, you, you can. Realize you realize I have about, a birthday coming up Friday, right? I do, yeah. But think about how many of our fans, because we we do have a good chunk of fans under the age of thirty that that weren't alive to to, to yeah. even see that. Really and to do. us, it's it's a moment that really defined the modern era. Vince Russo, yeah. uh, the Absolutely. Attitude Era wouldn't have existed without it. And, yeah. and I think it's very important to, to, to if we're going to shine light on history, that was a big moment, too. Uh, yeah. As far as the show, like I said, we got a couple of good roundtables coming up. We're in the works for a really big one. Uh, I'm, I'm negotiating now with some local medical professionals as well as some former WWE talent. We want to do a roundtable talking about CTE. Beautiful. We had a pretty, pretty exclusive for our, if any of our fans missed it, a very exclusive moment on the last show we did where yeah. uh, the, 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 
widow of the late great Jimmy Snuka mentioned that that the media's reporting was incorrect that his death was yeah. attributed his death to CTE and not stomach cancer. So we really want to touch on that because and I want to and I'm glad you pointed that out then because this is the only podcast that set the record straight. Superfly Snuka did not pass from stomach cancer. He died from um, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, as it's commonly called. And And that is uh, that is from his wife directly. And uh, even before Carol told us, Jimmy's best friend, Phil LaRusso, told us. So we had that information before any other wrestling podcast. That, that's correct. The two people, one, the one who was with him in the room uh, when he passed and the one who he was in communication with the most in his final days, both both set the record on that. Yep. And uh, that's something we're going to dive into. we got a lot of good shows coming up, uh, both, oh, yeah. both roundtables, Wrestling with the Future. Jason mentioned the cut of promos. We're expanding constantly. Uh, Mikey's putting up some good films. As far as as our presence, obviously, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook. We also have a closed group on Facebook, or excuse me, a private group on Facebook, uh, Wrestling with the Future podcast. We're on Twitter, Wrestling Future. That's no G, Wrestling Future. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can all we all have our own pages. I can be found on Twitter at the man underscore WWTF. And uh, right now, I just ask the fans, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, buy the T-shirt. We still doing the uh, three... Three T special, Angelo? Yes, three large T-shirts for 20 bucks. There you go. So, like I said, three don't large. forget to like, share, subscribe, buy the T-shirt. I will show you the shirt. There, there you is. go. It's a good-looking shirt. Yes, it is. By the way, Mike Messi, I got a uh, 3X coming your way. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, you uh, know, real it quick, It took guys. me a while to get the the, 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 the the big boys in. Got yours coming out. Got Jason's went out. Be getting that very short, very shortly, Jay. Looking forward to wearing it. Thank you. Um, for me, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Psychic Angelo uh, if you're interested in that. Uh, of course, as Dan said, at Wrestling Future, no G at Wrestling Future on Twitter. We also have a Instagram and brand new Instagram account. It's at Wrestling with the Future on Instagram. Uh, you'll see short video clips photos uh you'll see our guest lineup um we're going to be adding to that periodically uh, as as new guests arrive we do have a show uh we we actually you guys at home don't know this yet but you're, you're about to find out we had a meeting sunday night me and the boys and uh, we are having a, a special look at back to the territories and for that show confirmed our cowboy scott casey Davey O'Hannon, and my buddy, Jack Victory. It's a hell of a lineup. If anyone knew the territories. We're going to take a look back at the territories. A a look back at when wrestlers traveled far and wide to make a living across the country. Before corporate wrestling became involved, before television and cable were so widespread, a look at the territory system from the guys who ran the roads. Well, Jack Victory went from world-class UWF, ECW, WCW. I mean, Jack Victory pretty much wrestled in every territory that was. He right. covered some miles, brother. The, <laughs> the money and the miles. Yes, sir. Um, Just the stories that they have. Oh, my people. God. please! Huh. And that's what we're all about, Jason. We're all about the stories here. Yes, sir. Keeping those, 
you know, what we Dan and I consider ourselves archivists. We we are archiving these stories for posterity. Yep, I, that's, and that's why. Like, where else are you going to find Judy Martin and Joyce Grable reunited on the same show? Yes, where are you going to find such a- you know, Princess Victoria and uh, and Judy Martin and Casey Carlisle and Jennifer Lynn Lopez talking about? You know, oh my God, uh, uh, you think that men wrestling is is bad? Oh, the, the the whole world of women's wrestling. That's like a subculture all unto itself. Indeed. Take a listen to those shows. I'll tell you what I uh, drink when I when I got into the into the back backstage parts of of sports entertainment. It's I started. I had a syndicated uh, wrestling column, and I was I pitched my I was it was a, I was a wrestling historian, and a lot of it was uh, the historical look at things, and then the modern yeah. take. And I'll tell you, I you learn more history in ten minutes talking to somebody who's lived it than a hundred books, and, and that's that's the part of the appeal of this show yeah. is the, the human side of history that we put on everything. Absolutely. Well, uh, and of course, you know, you covered our uh, our Facebook pages, our group, and all that stuff. Yes, sir. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Well, I'm going to have to say goodbye to everybody. So. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, we got to have Dave LaGreca back. That was a Absolutely. great interview. I would, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Dave was very generous in giving us uh, about an hour and 10 minutes tonight, which, uh, is, quite frankly, is, a, is about 40 minutes longer than I thought he was going to go. He didn't want to leave us, buddy. He, I right, know. Yeah. He was enjoying and himself. I didn't want him to go. I was just about to ask him, Dave, how are we on time? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, well, I guess we know now. But I'll give I'll give Dave a call this weekend uh, and and we'll find out um, when we can rebook him. Sounds but, good. Uh, Thursday night we've got the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller with us. Uh, Ron is the author of a brand new book. We're going to talk to him about his book. So uh, and we're going to talk to him about growing up in the wrestling family. Of course, his father, uh, the great Roy Welch. Um, they basically single handedly created. Tennessee wrestling, Southern wrestling. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, that man is a, a is a walking encyclopedia mm-hmm. of wrestling history. I'm looking forward to that conversation a lot. So for Jason, the bearded wonder Tuttle, for marvelous Mike, the movie maker, Messier, and for Dan, the man, Sebastiano, I'm psychic meeting Angelo. Take care, everybody, and happy wrestling.